Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are out, wherever you're at in podcast land. This is the Phantom Correspondence, and we are attempting to rectify a uh, grave injustice we've yes. done. Injustice. Injustice. Injustice, injustice. injustice we've done. Uh, we, <clears throat> last year, had started a podcast series that was going to go through all of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies. And then we did the first one, which is unequivocally the best one. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't say anything um, because I know the more that we do, the closer we get to uh, me having to watch uh, the Michael Bay produced <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies. And which, I don't want to do that. Which, if I remember correctly, you actually haven't seen them. Have I have you? never seen them. Mm -hmm. uh, I, they, you I, wanted to go your entire life without it. I did. I did. I, I, I really really have serious issues with the directions that were taken on the on those movies um have not seen the movies but uh i guess you know i guess the time comes for all of us to lose mm -hmm. our innocence and i guess mm -hmm. that's coming up but we're not there yet today we're going to talk about teenage mutant ninja turtle 2 the secret of the ooze now uh by the way real quick though i do want to go ahead and give a quick shout out uh this was actually requested to us by Josh Hicks, it one was. of our top supporters. It was. And once again, we want, at, on one point, we want to say we are sorry that we have taken this long. On the other hand, we want to thank you so much for your continued support of us, even though we did take absolutely forever on this. That is true. And uh, that, that was kind of a, an awkward segue there because I haven't introduced everybody yet. Whoops. Uh, but that's okay. Was okay. Know, we, we can do things out of order. I just want to make sure that uh, I forget. So, so yeah. the disembodied voice you heard there Ooh. was the EIC, Jacob Van. Vance McCarty Hardesty there. What's up, guys? And then the disembodied voice you're hearing right now is Josh Wise Sage. And then the disembodied voice that has not talked yet because he understood what was happening in this podcast is <laughs> Al Red Lanyard. How you doing, Al? Uh, I'm doing great. Um, apparently, I'm I way more in podcast mode than Jacob was because he just kind of <laughs> just kind of inserted himself in there. But I'm doing he good. Just did. He just jumped in. You know, and uh, so, yes, because uh, I guess he thought I was going to forget to uh, do a shout-out to Josh Hicks, uh, but I would not have ever done that. I just wanted to make so, sure he was included. So he's included, okay. <laughs> so anyway, okay, so the general idea of this uh, coming up in the next few weeks, we're going to be just watching the movies and kind of reviewing them, kind of talking about them, and discussing all the turtle lore and everything that goes with it. I'm really excited for most of this because I'm a huge team Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle fan, but uh, like I said, yeah, there are some issues that we're going to hit mm -hmm. when we uh, when we run into old Michael Bay. So I do want to um, so I do want to start real quick. I want so kind of taking off from where we were last time. By the way, this has been a year, basically a year since we did the first yeah. one, mm -hmm. and uh, I, I I did not get a chance to go back and listen to that. I do try to listen to our podcast, uh, which is just. Basically, a rough thing to do because I hate the sound of my voice. Uh, you know, I, I'm actively trying to make my voice sound in a higher register right now mm -hmm. um, because I always come off sounding like the drunk Eeyore uh, of the group. Um, but but I, I I did go back. I, I want to go back and listen to it. Um, but I do remember we talked a lot about how big the Ninja Turtles were in 1990 when this came out. Mm -hmm. Al, Jake, I know this is kind of before your time, but they were huge. And the reason, I don't know if you noticed, but there's basically less than a year between the first Ninja Turtle movie and this movie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and the reason for that is because 
literally New Line and uh, uh, New Line basically decided that they were like, we've got to strike while the iron is hot because they did not think the first movie was going to be a success. If you remember going back to the last podcast, the first movie is the 24th highest grossing New Line cinema movie to this day, which is amazing when you consider all the movies New Line cinema has done. I mean, you've got all the Lord of the Rings movies, you've got all the Hobbit movies, you've got fair, you've got like action fair, like Con Air and stuff like that. The fact that this movie is still one of the highest grossing movies that New Line Cinema has ever done shows what power the first movie had. So because of that, because that surprise hit, they wanted to do another one as soon as possible. But there were some problems. One of the main problems that they had was is that they thought that the first movie was too dark in tone. I don't really agree with that. I don't. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't. Particularly considering there's a scene where they spin one of them on the back, uh, like the Wheel of Fortune. Um, I just, I, I just think it's the, and, and this is traumatizing. I do think it's the continued going to Splinter being strung up, you know, uh, there. I mean, it, that is kind of traumatizing. I do get that. Well, um, if if I had to choose one thing from the f- first film that I would say was a bit too dark. I would say it's just the entirety of Casey Jones as a character had be my choice, in which I agree with them wholeheartedly. Well, ironically, that was a big deal. So Casey, of course, is not in this second movie mm-hmm. at all. It was, no, that that was one of the big issues they had. Kate, they, the Casey uh, did not test well, even though he's an extremely popular character in the comics and in the TV show. And ironically, at this point, is because these movies are happening while well, sometimes TV show is happening, the first iteration of TV show is happening. Casey's a huge part of every episode of the TV show at this point, and yet he's not in this movie. They replace him with Kino, played very aptly by Ernie Reyes Jr. of, for me, Surf Ninja's fame. <laughs> um, I don't know, Jake, you mentioned something else you knew him from, maybe? Or? I just knew that he was, he was actually one of the stunt guys on the first film. He is, and um, very accomplished stunt man i didn't know i was looking him up he's he's been a stunt guy since he was like 10 years old yeah so he's a, a very accomplished stunt guy uh uh muay thai uh practitioner uh the first thing that happens in this movie of course is he he lets you know that he knows how martial arts uh that's literally like his fourth line <laughs> you know that i mentioned i study martial arts which is a great line somebody got paid to write that line um in this movie if only. If yeah, only. But, anyway, but he's 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 a big uh, addition to this movie. He kind of takes Casey Jones's spot as kind of the the fifth quasi you know fighter of the group. Um, so there's that. Um, another issue they had they did change directors. Uh, they replaced Steve Barron, who I thought was a very did a very good job. Uh, you know, with the first movie, they replaced him with a guy by the name of Michael Pressman. And the whole point of that is just to tone down uh, the violence in the film. So there's a lot of things that are happening that are different. If you've noticed in this movie, you guys probably didn't notice, uh, they're not using the weapons as much. You know, the weapons are basically non-existent. Uh, in fact, so much too, there's a point where Michelangelo on the first scene pulls out uh, sausage links instead mm-hmm. of the nunchucks they have strapped yes. to himself. I just, so it gets a little ridiculous after a while. Uh, but the weapons are just not used at all. Uh, and then, you know, there's, uh, I don't even want to bring this up. Okay. So like Laird and, so, uh, Laird and Eastman, who are the writers of creators of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, um, they've still had some input in this. Okay. 
But a lot of their ideas got shot down. They originally wanted to do the Baxter Stockman storyline. Uh, I don't know if you guys to familiarize yourself with Baxter Stockman. He's yes, a guy who please. turns. He's a scientist <laughs> who ends up turning himself into the human fly at one point. His big contribution to the Turtles mythos is these things called Mousers, uh, which are basically little tiny robots with sharp teeth. Uh, that he just has thousands of and just, like, will send them out. They want to do that storyline. For whatever reason, uh, the studios shut that down. And the studios wanted to include Bebop and Rocksteady. And Laird Eastman did not want to include Bebop and Rocksteady. They put their foot down. They said they didn't want that in there because they didn't want it to look like the TV show. So instead, and I think this was a dumb decision, we get Taka and Razor, um, so, and I, we'll discuss that a little more, um, but the, I, I do remember when this movie came out, we were all really shocked that you had Bebop and Rocksteady, who were at this point, you know, a central part of the Turtles line. You know, I mean, they were the, you know, the right-hand men of Shredder. Uh, I mean, they were just about in every single episode of the TV show. And you get to the theater and you are expecting, you know, when... Uh, you know, Shredder is, you know, he's, he's wanting to make super soldiers or, you know, get some type of henchman. You're expecting, okay, we're going to see Bebop and Rocksteady, and instead you get Taka and Razor. And Taka and Razor, uh, we'll discuss them a little more. I would assume they're going to come up quite a bit. Um, but um, that's basically the whole backstory of this movie. Um, to give you an idea of how powerful Turtles are at this point, and I don't know if anyone can really... Uh, discuss this if you aren't my age or a little bit younger. But I cannot, because I, I, I want to just jump into this. I want to jump into this really quickly, okay? Before we even get to the to the uh, to the questions about co content and quality of this movie, the general idea that Vanilla Ice is in this movie in 1991, uh, I can't overstress how that speaks to how big the turtles were because vanilla ice was, and I know it's going to be hard for you guys to realize this, you know, as he is the joke that we all pull at uh, karaoke, you know, that's basically mm -hmm. his role now, but there was no artist bigger in 1991 than vanilla ice. There just wasn't, you know, uh, he was huge. And so with, let's just jump into that right there. Okay. Let's talk about Ninja Rap. What did you what do you guys think of Ninja Rap? Jake, talk to me about the brilliance of Ninja Rap. I I think that it's actually um just utterly fantastic that in the film, or at least according to what you watch on the screen, <clears throat> is that Vanilla Ice is having a concert and all of a sudden four random turtles and two monsters jump in and he's like I've been looking to test out my improv skills. Mm -hmm. And so he just rolls with it. And really, it's honestly kind of rude that he starts to make assumptions that they're ninjas at that point because, you know, he just knows that they're turtles. He doesn't say they, he doesn't know they're ninjas, you know? Maybe it's the mask, who knows? But he just jumps right into it, you know? And do, do you not think that just showed his, uh, Vanilla Ice's preternatural ability to analyze a situation? I mean that, that that is fair, but I I actually took it more so as since um, there are heavy theories about the turtles and uh, Daredevil being in the same universe um, that he was actually um, 
affected by the ooze as well. And so he had precognitive abilities. Actually. <laughs> that's what I, 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 um, that's kind of how I, I read that into that's, it. That's, that's pretty much kind of how I was working with that. Al, uh, um, you have the next two minutes to say uh, only nice things about Ninja Rap. Go. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's fascinating because I was actually going in um, the opposite direction um, as Jacob was because I watched the Ninja Rap scene and then the takeaway I had from it was that oh no this was not improv this was not this was not an off the dome freestyle from <clears throat> Vanilla Ice this was a this was a song he had written and he had recorded on like an unpublished tape and I just imagined a flashback scene where he was arguing with like his record executive his record and his record executive was saying no no Ice you don't understand this song is so weird like. You won't ever find an opportunity to perform it where it, it makes sense within the context. Nobody's going to understand what you're talking about with turtles and their knowledge of the martial arts. Just just abandon the dream. And then flash forward, present day, Ice is having his concert. And, and who, who stumbles in? Who, who, who knocks on the door at this New York club? Other than just the, the the harbingers of Vanilla Ice's destiny, and he sees it, he's just like, "This is my chance. This is it." <laughs> he, there was no hesitation. He was just like, "Okay, guys, play the song. Let's go." And like he had taught his dancers and choreography. Like yeah. that's my favorite part of that scene. Is you watch that scene, <laughs> Vanilla Ice is more invested and enthusiastically doing the choreography than any of the background dancers he has on stage. Oh yeah, it's the best. It's the best. I mean, I mean, the Ninja Rap scene was honestly my my favorite part of Secret of the Use. It's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just you know in all honesty it's one of those things that is such a relic of the 90s like you could not pull that off in a movie today it just, it just you, you couldn't uh yeah I mean, it would just get lambasted you know by hipsters on youtube and twitter and i just think this is this is this it, it's just such a i agree it, it's a near perfect scene um but it is it is utterly and totally ridiculous i but now my head cannon is yours uh, Al, I, I do. I, I am hoping that you know he had heard some legend of Ninja Turtles and was like, "I am going to write a song, and someday that's going to matter." Uh, so yeah, I I can't lie. Uh, you know, six year old Josh uh, was going to kindergarten singing the Ninja Rap all the time, uh, along with uh, seven year old Jared, my cousin, and uh, all of our friends. We were just enamored with Ninja Rap and uh, all the. Uh, Everything that came with it. There was a there's a good month long period in 1991 where Ninja Rap is just dominating, like it's <laughs> everywhere, and uh, it's just a really important, uh, you know, part of Turtles lore. Uh, and they every once in a while, I, I, I am, you know, because every once in a while the the cartoons will talk about the Ninja Rap. Uh, I am kind of wondering if the Michael Bay movies ever bring it up. Uh, I think that would have been a fun callback, you know, because I mean it's Vanilla Ice rapping in. With the turtles, I mean, with the turtles, yeah. You can't get more 1990s than that. <clears throat> okay, so uh, just we're just going to jump in here. Um, Al, what did you like best about this movie? I know obviously turtle rap is up there, but uh, what else did you like about this movie? Um, yeah, it's a good question, man. Um, 
<laughs> I'll be, you know, I'll be upfront and honest with everybody. Um, I was when we watched the first one, um, and I'm somebody out of all three of us. I by far have had the least amount of exposure to this kind of franchise. Like I've never really watched any of the cartoons and never really watched like the movies or anything like that. Um, I played the arcade um, game, the eat em up that was at the arcades at the time. I played that whenever I was at an arcade, but I really didn't have any exposure um, to TMNT until um, I was like in college, to be honest, it just was one of those things I missed out on as a kid. So I watched the first of um, um, the first of the movies last year when we did the podcast, and I was honestly really surprised at how much I enjoyed it. Um, I enjoyed a lot of um, the story beats. I thought a lot of the jokes were really funny and had aged really well. thought there were a lot of really um, cool kind of takeaways and messages it was um, saying. Um, I wasn't a big fan of this one. Um, I wasn't as big a fan of Secret of the Ooze. Um, I did, I did like um, Shredder. Um, Shredder, I think, in the iterations I've seen him in, is just one of those characters who is pretty consistently cool and just kind of a badass uh, kind of villain. So I really enjoyed. Um, and <laughs> um, and he was acting his heart out every time he was on screen. <laughs> he was taking it really seriously, <laughs> which I greatly appreciated. Um, so I was really, I was really into pretty much every scene with the Shredder in it because he's just a cool villain. I liked his, his character design, um, and all that. And then I really enjoyed, um, uh, the professor as well, uh, Dr. Perry. Um, he was kind of, uh, kind of a highlight in the film for me. He usually had some really good, um, lines and exchanges with various things. Um, the scenes where Dr. Perry is talking to Shredder and just <laughs> exasperatedly trying to explain things to him is just like, it's just anybody who believes in science this last year talking to anybody who does not <laughs> like that. <laughs> every scene just encapsulated that whole dynamic this last year. So that aged incredibly well. Um, so those were probably the two standouts for me. All right, Jake, what do you like, man? Well, um, <clears throat> the first one is to piggyback off of what um, Al said, because the Professor and Shredder were very clearly two highlights of this film. And what was your favorite line of the movie again? My favorite line of the movie, okay, is when uh, uh, Taka and Rezar come out at first, and then they are effectively infants yeah. and that's actually what the professor says um but like al said the guy playing shredder i don't know i did not look up his name unfortunately um the guy playing shredder is giving it everything in this role and they go to hug him and call him mama and then the next thing you see is he kicks open those doors and then he just goes babies they're babies and it's just this like he's trying to sound as serious as he possibly can and it is just it's one of my favorite scenes in any film ever i laugh every time um but the the actual standout for me um and i'm actually upset that he's not in the movie more um is splinter Literally every time that Splinter is on screen, everything he says, everything he does, I, genu I genuinely think is the best part of the movie. 
Um, and I don't think he actually gets enough credit in this one. Um, so, you know, yeah. Yeah, I would, uh, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think Splinter, uh, Splinter's kind of like the one character that really, you know, is all the good, all the things that were good about him in the first one are good in the second one too. Mm. Uh, he's the Mr. Miyagi character. Um, he's, and that voice actor is always the voice actor is great. Right? And, just, yeah, yeah, it's just it's just a really it's a really good representation. The I'm kind of with you, Al. I, well, I'm not kind of with you. I'm definitely with you. I, this is this movie. You know, even though I have great childhood memories of this movie, this one's kind of disappointing after the first one. Uh, there's almost a sense of the like uh, Mortal Kombat Annihilation kind of syndrome that happens here, where mm-hmm. uh, you know the first movies popular so popular they don't even know what to do about it and then they try to do a second one and they kind of remove everything that makes the first one really good uh so there's you know and, and i'll get into that more i'm supposed to talk about things i like in this one i really like splinter uh as a fan of <laughs> as a fan of puppets uh this is a really good movie for that yeah uh the puppeteering in this movie is fantastic uh, there's really interesting uh, documentaries on how they did the suits. Uh, for for this one, the the head of the suit uh, now has like full animatronics at this point uh, on all the on all the turtles on uh, Taka and Razor. Uh, just full animatro- uh, animatronics on the suits, which you can really tell uh, it's it's an improvement over the first one. Uh, although the first one is fantastic with what they do. Uh, you can tell they're, these suits are a little less cumbersome. Uh, they are moving better in this. Uh, although what's interesting is I would say that even though the 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 range of motion for the turtles is better, the fight choreography is not as good in this one. Yeah, which was kind of, which was kind of upsetting. Yeah, yeah. I, I, there's still you, you know the fight choreography in the first one had some really standout moments. I thought um, for what they were trying to do, and I just think this one is very. Basic, you know, mm. a lot of spin kicks, mm. Uh, mm. you know, and a lot of slapstick kind of stuff. Um, I, so, you know, uh, I do think. Um, Which they were trying to make it more of a comedy than. Yeah, actual, I know. Film but like, thing, it's but... not as funny. Either. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah. It's just, it just isn't. I don't know. Uh, but I, I'll say those are the things I, I liked about the movie. Uh, you know, I, I, I agree. Splinter and the puppeteering. Pretty fantastic. I feel like what ultimately happened is after the first film, like someone's mother came up to them and it was like a three-year-old that they took to the movie. And then they saw, like you said, they saw Splinter like strung up, you know, or they, or they watched Raphael get thrown through the, uh, thrown through the window and everything. And I, and I, and I feel like it was kind of like a no holds barred situation for you. Like one kid was scarred by that. Yeah. And that mother immediately went to like, I don't know, someone at New Line and was like, you cannot let this happen. You well, know, again. there is, you know, of course, we've got Mortal, the Mortal Kombat movie come out uh, in a month and um, about a month and a half. And I think we'll talk about that a little more here. But there is something about from 1990 to about 1995, there's a real, uh, uh, there's a real reaction to children's entertainment, uh, particularly the violence of it. And uh, and things have gotten dark. I mean, like there, you know, Black Cauldron has some pretty dark moments. You know, Watership Down has some pretty dark movies. These were like children's movies, and so uh, there's a real reaction to a lot of this stuff um, that that starts to happen. And and you're right. I mean, it was it was parental 
uh, interference uh, or parental complaints that really brought down the tone of this movie. Although, once again, I don't think the tone of the first movie is all that dark. I just mm. don't see it. Uh, I, I do think there's some moments that are, you know, a little rough, but I didn't think it was overtly violent. And uh, and I don't think there's a whole lot of difference in getting hit with a nunchuck or getting hit with a sausage link. You know, I think if, if the action's the exact same. So so there's that. Uh, moving on, though. Uh, Al, what what did you what did you not like about this movie? You know what what are some complaints you had? Obviously, I, I imagine you have a few. Um, yeah, I mean, I like it's hard to put uh, for movies like this. It's always hard for me to to watch it and kind of analyze it with the right kind of context. Um, you know, it's hard for me to kind of step out of myself as like. A twenty-seven-year-old dude, and say like, "Well, would I have enjoyed this if I were, you know, if I were to go back and be like the target audience and demographic for what they were trying to um, um to reach uh, with this kind of movie?" Um, but you know, just watching it now, this is kind of the only context I really can comment on it. Um, it's just that. Um, compared to the first one, the first one felt like it was having fun, um, and it was still trying to say something. It was still trying to, like, um, to do interesting things with its characters, um, and things like that. With this one, um, it felt like almost all of the characters kind of took a back seat to trying to make um, the movie more kind of easygoing and more slapstick and more just kind of very, very silly and easy to like approach and digest. And I think in that it lost a lot of what um, we really enjoyed um, about the original. Uh, I mean, in the original, we saw characters go through arcs and have um, their own forms of development and things like that and I feel like you didn't really see any of that with any of of the characters um, in Secret of the Ooze you know everybody was pretty static um, throughout the whole thing um, one part of that that really stuck out to me is that in the first one you see you know this overarching theme of of on um, the turtles being taught, you know, there's value in working together. There's value in caring about each other and caring f- for your family and being on a united front um, against things and having a common cause and teamwork and all that good stuff. Um, and it was a really, really cool t- takeaway to have from it. Um, and we saw that as, you know, they confronted the foot, they confronted Shredder, um, they took care of Raph and then the first one, um, all that good stuff. Um, they went and um, they rescued Splinter. Um, in this one, you get what you think is going to be the theme of the movie pretty early on, where they're all in April's apartment and Splinter is talking to them. And Splinter is saying, you know, you need to practice the art of the ninja. You need to... You know, not be so 
tempted by like the ways and the allures of this world on like the surface and things like that. And so you think, okay, this is going to be kind of about like them finding like try, trying to find like their purpose in the world, trying to find like um, somewhere in between a balancing point uh, between abiding by their own ways of doing things and trying to embrace and find their roles in the world. And you think that's where it's going. And then it totally does not. <laughs> and by the end of the movie, you know, they even go back to their new home in um, the abandoned subway station and they talk to Splinter and they're just like, we did it. We like use the way of the ninja. We did what you told us. And Splinter was just like, well, no, like you're like on the front page of the newspaper. And so they just kind of, just kind of laugh it off, and we're just like, oh, ninja rap. Isn't that funny? <laughs> but, themat- but thematically, you're just like, wait, then what was the, what was the point of, of anything that happened <laughs> in this narrative then? And I might just be overanalyzing that, and that again, that could just be because I was so impressed with the first film and what it was able to do with its story. But I kind of came away from it, and I was just kind of like, I don't really, I don't really get what I was supposed to gain from like engaging with this film. You know, I didn't believe anybody really changed or grew. I didn't believe there was an overarching um, theme or, or, you know, proverb they were trying to teach with this one. Like it wasn't the last one. Um, It just felt kind of underwhelmed. Um, And also I can't talk about the things I disliked about this film without, um, talking about you know um he's just like a little casey jones jr to me i just didn't like his character you know you you get introduced to this kid and the first thing we really see him do is he's going to drop off pizzas and he and he catcalls a group of girls and then when he gets shut down he he body shames them and then he drives off. But you're just like, oh, this this guy this guy's this guy's kind of a turd, isn't he? Then the next thing we see him do after the fight is he just just totally invades April O'Neill's just personal property and just waltzes in and just like, hey, no, I lied. I'm delivering you pizza when I'm not supposed to be. I'm just gonna walk into your apartment. And just kind of, you can't do anything about it. <laughs> so just so just hang out there, and you're just like, oh, I wonder if a redeeming thing is going to happen with Kino. Then you get to the end of the movie, he almost ruins the fight against Shredder. And then, I'm sorry, first we see him talk to Splinter, and Splinter's just like, well, you know, you should take my wisdom and be patient and find your inner peace. And Kino's just like... Screw that! I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna go fight some ninjas, <laughs> and so he leaves. Almost screws up the fight with Shredder, and then it's just kind of like, oh, I guess that's. I guess that's it. For, I guess that's all we see of Kino. <laughs> I guess he's probably still out there catcalling and body shaming women on the street to this day. <laughs> I don't know. So those are the two things for me, but that's just me. Uh, yeah. yeah. Jake, does this movie have a theme? What do you think? Well, okay, so Al, I was I was trying to think of a way to discuss that and not sound like super pretentious of just being like, you know, well, the way that the Marvel films do it now, you know, or something like that. But honestly, you brought up a valid point of just really just comparing it to the first one, you know, because I because I think it, I think it's absolutely unfair to compare a film from 1991 to like Captain America: Winter Soldier. 
obviously that would be an unfair comparison. But when you compare it to literally less than a year prior, you have, a, like you said, you have a film that is really focusing on them becoming a fam, be, being a family and becoming a stronger family unit, um, learning how to work together and everything about that. And there's there's like two moments in this movie where I think I feel like the script went through some went through some pretty heavy rewrites because I feel like the first draft or so um, wanted to do that because like you said between the scene where Splinter's talking about you know you have to use the way of the ninja um, you have to find and kind of find your place within this world um, and then the scene where the professor is explaining the history of the ooze um, I suppose the secret of the ooze. Um, and then, and then Donatello says that he's upset because he thought there would be more. And then you kind of have like this, you have the scene where Splinter says, I can't remember the exact quote, but it's something to the effect of, you know, the manner of the accident is not what makes you who you are. You know, it's, you all are these, are these ninjas and you have to, and this is your destiny is to stop Shredder and to save New York. And the thing is, it's like, those are the only things we get. We get roughly three minutes of a message, and then the rest of it is uh, Kino uh, body shaming people. Um, I'm just assuming that off-screen he's just doing that constantly, by the way, now. Um, because, because you're right, that that scene is jarring to watch in 2021. Um, it, it just is. And, I, and I, I know that might just be me being silly, but at the same time, I was just, like, watching it, I was just like, ugh, like, that's like the worst thing that I've seen in a while. Um, uh, no, I, since, I, I since audibly, Casey Jones in the first movie. <laughs> I, I audibly reacted to that <laughs> scene where he's about to drive off. And she says, in your dreams, Dweeb. And he says, I'll just dream of something thinner. <laughs> when he says that, I audibly watching the movie was just like, oh my God, that was a, a terrible thing to say. <laughs> But real, real quick, Al, was this uh, – because there's one other thing I did want to talk about that I just really do not like about this movie. Um, but was was this your first time watching this one ever? I No, I had watched it um, shortly after I watched the first one last year. Okay. Uh, um, before things got kind of wild, you know, before the the majority of the year 2020 happened. Um, yeah, exactly. So, so I watched. So I watched it last year to kind of prepare for part two of the podcast, and then I rewatched it. Um, actually, earlier today at the at the time of this recording. So it had been about a year in between. I'd seen it. I got you. Um, one other thing I did want to say before we move on, uh, just discussing things that we did not like about this movie. The new Raphael voice is it's, it's he's just bad. Like I don't like and. Maybe it's just because I love the original so much because I I cannot think of Raphael without thinking of two things. One, him just saying "damn" just constantly in that for, in that opening <laughs> with such an emphasis. Just it's amazing. I don't know, man. I I, I love Jose Canseco back. Yes, that. Tell yes. me you didn't pay money for yes, that. Yes, that I don't entire know why scene. That's, that's, the you got to understand what a crumpet is to know about cricket you know that just i love that entire segment and i love Raphael the first one so much i could not stand this voice actor um you know and and i'm i'm sure he's done other things and he may be a really good voice actor but with this one 
Um, I just I just did not enjoy it. Um, now, also, I kind of noticed, and this might have just been, just from what I'm watching, the the voice synchronization, like between the the voice and then the actor saying the lines for Kino and I do not know Shredder's right hand man's name in this movie. Um, it seemed really off, and it seemed really like like last second. And the thing is, is like I looked it up because I was like, okay, well, you know, maybe they use different voice actors. It's the same voice actors. It's the same actors like doing their own lines and everything. And I thought that was weird because it, it doesn't. It's not that way for yeah, anyone there's, else. There's probably some editing problems, uh, particularly with I would assume when you see something like that. My my assumption is always that they were really rushed doing this movie, and I think that's a. And I mean, I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit more in a second, but like, I think they're really rushing into this movie. And I think a lot of the lines readings they got, they did not like. Hmm. Uh, and of course you got Ernie Reyes Jr. Who's basically. It's like his second. Yeah. Like movie. his second role. <laughs> like the last acting. one he was in, he was like the little Buddhist kid in way of the dragon in 1985, hmm. you know? So like, it's, it's like, it's not a, he, he's not a seasoned actor hmm. uh, at all. Um, so you've got. I think I think that's part of it. Um, so I think there's some some line readings that they probably had some issues with. Um, I I don't really want to crap all over this movie. I mean, it's part of my childhood, but man, there's just it just ooh, there's just some places. And and I Al, I gotta agree with you. Kino might be the worst character ever put to film. I mean, it's it's bad. And like the thing oh, wow. is, well, I'm just saying because. It's so bad. It's not just that. So, like, the hilarity of this is that the whole point of this was Casey's a little too rough, okay? So we'll bring in Kino. And Kino's as bad, if not worse than Casey. It's a little worse than Casey because Kino's like a teenager. So, like, you know, even, like, it's a little more easier to emulate for kids. I thought the point of this was, you know, to... You know, think of the children, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, we don't want the violent, crazed, drunk Casey Jones, so we just get the violent, you know, fat-shaming Kino here. <laughs> and it's just, it's really, it, it's really jarring. And the thing is, like, I don't know how, there's a real, real um, issue of how they write Kino, because Kino is never put in a situation where you think, I mean, at least with Casey... Like, Casey's confident, you know? Like, when Casey goes in to face down the foot, I just assume the foot, you know, are in trouble. With Kino, you don't really get that same sense. So, it, it, so watching this movie now, I'm like, well, why are you even here? Uh, best example of this is, like, you know, Kino goes to join the foot soldiers, okay? That's a, that's a big part of this storyline, which I hate. I hate so much because every bit of the that is a retcon of the first movie because the whole point of the first movie, Al, Jacob, say it with me, is that Raphael needs to learn how to be part of the Turtles and be more, you know, be, you know, joint, stay with his brothers and work with his brothers and, you know, like follow Leonardo's lead and things like that. And within 30 minutes of this movie, he's just like, I don't want to look for a new place. I'm going to go fight some foot, you know, and so like, it literally, it, everything that happened in the first movie just doesn't matter. So Raphael, all of his character development is just thrown out the window. And so so that they can have Kino in, infiltrating the foot. And they have this moment where Kino beats up all these new recruits. And so the last thing that they have to do, which is hilarious, by the way, because the last test for the, every foot soldier, apparently, is they have to grab all these bells off of this uh, dummy 
without making a sound. And of course, if you've watched the foot soldier for the fa- for the past two movies, you're like, did they all accomplish this? <laughs> like, there's no way because it's they're like, possible. you know. But like, but it's a but I, I'm, when I'm when you're watching, I'm, I remember because I last year I watched it again after, and I was and I when I got that scene, I was like, okay. You know, in my mind, I'm already preparing myself for like this is where Kino proves himself. You know, he's going to have skill set. You know, he's going to have the ability to do this, and that's how you'll prove he can be a ninja. And of course, you know, they throw the smoke down, and Raphael has to come and do it for him. And you're sitting there like, well, why is Kino here? Like, what is what purpose is he serving? (laughs) Also, the whole point of this was to find out where the foot were. So, like, if Raphael knows where they're at. What's the point of even going through with the rest of this plan? You know, like the whole point, right? I'm I'm remembering that correctly, right? The whole point of it was to infiltrate the foot to find their base so you can go and fight them, right? Was that their actual main base or was that like a training ground and they had to get to? Yeah, yeah, that is that they're, they were not yet at the junkyard. He takes Kino to the junkyard after Raph does all the battles. All right, okay, Well, well, then I will remove. Mm-hmm. You know, although I still think then like Raphael goes, please, what happened? The service with a smile, you know, and then roll on snare and, you know, it's just, OK, well, yeah. whatever. Anyway, okay. <laughs> fine, whatever. OK, OK, I'll, I'll take that uh, that critique back then. But I do think there's I don't think you hit the nail on the head. You've already hit it. Uh, thematically, this this movie is just weaker. It's just a weaker movie thematically. Um, I think the theme of the movie was supposed to be what you already mentioned, Jake. Was supposed to be its concept of, you know, well, if I'm just an accident, you know, what's the point? Like, you know, what does my life have meaning? I think that was supposed to be the theme of the movie. But the problem with that is one, that doesn't get mentioned until Donatello randomly decides that that's an issue i would say two-thirds of the way through the uh, movie it's 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 like 35 minutes left in the movie yeah so, so like then that, there's yeah. like so there's a three-minute conversation which is a good conversation mm-hmm. okay and then they just move on and then it just doesn't matter in fact if you'd be you would be forgiven if you forgot that was even in the movie um and so like there's never a point i mean if you were going to write this movie competently you would have a point where like shredder figures that out and then to get under their skin, he's like, you guys are just, you know, lab rats. You guys are just, you know, accidents anyway. And then, like, all of them are just, like, really depressed because, you know, you know, they might have their ninja skills, but what's the point of all this? And then, like, Shredder has to come in and do the Mr. Miyagi thing. That's how you should write this. Wait. And instead... Shredder turns and then does the Mr. Miyagi thing? Shut up. Splinter comes in and does the Mr. Miyagi <laughs> thing. And, like, that's how you should write this. I'm glad you did that, though. <laughs> Uh, that's how you should write this, but instead they just write it as like, well, we just throw this theme in really quickly so we can move on and get back to. And the the next thing is Kino being like, well, I'm just going to go fight everybody so we can get back to you know fighting everyone again. And I just think that's the first movie had just so many you know every theme, uh, every aspect of that movie went back to the original theme of what makes a family, you know, and like <laughs> just. Here's a good look. Here's what a good family looks like. Here's what an abusive family looks like. And just going right back into that. And you could literally pluck that theme. And you mentioned the Marvel movies. I think you could pluck that theme and how they write it in the first one up against any of the Marvel movies today. Oh, absolutely. Okay. And that this one, you just can't do that because there just is no theme. Now, it's, it's, it's all an excuse to, uh, you know, have fight scenes and have these like slapstick moments. I mean, you know. Al, I know you said you you hadn't watched a whole lot of the cartoons, but I grew up with the one that came out in 2003 on uh, 
I think it was like Fox Kids or something like that. And then, of course, Josh, I know you and I fell in love with the with the 2012 version on Nickelodeon. And there's a reason that they do callbacks to the first movie in both of those series. You know, because that's just how strong the first movie was. Mm. Like, and because those themes and those scenes are such, and are they're 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 iconic to who the turtles are at this point. You know, and you don't really get, with the exception of Taka and Rezar becoming actual like characters later on, um, you don't really get anything from them besi- from the film besides that. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I think we've hit hit every nail on the head there. I think that's the uh, it, it's just it's just thematically it's just not as strong a movie. And so I mean that's that's a that's a huge statement, but that's what I don't like about it. It doesn't really have a theme. Uh, plot wise, it's just kind of all over the place. And and not that it even needs to have a strong plot. It should be very character driven. But none of the characters act like they did in the first one. So you know, I mean, it's just I don't know. It's just it's just not really there. Um, Jake, what stands out about this movie? Besides Ninja Rap? Besides Ninja Rap, yes. Um, Obviously Ninja Rap stands out. Ninja Rap stands out as a piece of American history that will never fade. Yes, absolutely. Um, you, you already mentioned it, but it's just, it's the, it is the clear standout is the fact that I, by no means were the suits or animatronics, um, bad in the first film, but in this one, the the their ability to do like expressions and everything really really changes a lot of the scenes. Even though, like we've said, you know, not all those scenes are, have been as strong or the dialogue's been as strong as the first film, but all the same, just it was just interesting to watch like how much they could do with a puppet. Like, and I know that like, sounds kind of weird, but you have six characters that you have to get all of their expressions and. They are six very unique characters. Um, there's something interesting about the fact in this one that if you put this is one of, this is one of the few cases where if you put Raphael and Donatello next to each other and you took both their mask off and all you could see was their face, due to the way they do certain expressions, you would be able to tell the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure that you would have been able to do that quite as easily in the first film. Um, so honestly, you know, and of course the film starts with in memory of Jim, Jim Henson because, you know, he had passed and, um, it's, it's just a, the puppeteering is, is really the standout in my opinion. Um, you know, because you, you look at any film of that time, whether it's, you know, Dark Crystal, Labyrinth, both in Ninja Turtles films, you can tell that there's a care that goes into that, that we have really good special effects now. We have really good teams that do a lot of really cool things with CGI and some who do really cool things with practical effects as well. But that kind of devotion to the animatronics is not really something that you see in the modern day films as much anymore. And that's, that's something that's, that's worth, that's worth talking about as a standout in my opinion. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think the, the puppeteering, and I, I mentioned this before, uh, Jim Henson, of course, did pass before this movie came out, but uh, Henson Productions still did mm. uh, all the all the animatronics uh, for this. Brian is this Brian Henson? Yeah. Is, uh, Brian Henson himself didn't have anything to do with it, but uh, the production company did. Mm. Uh, so, I mean, they're still, it's still top, top-notch quality, top, mm. 
uh, top quality stuff. Uh, Al, uh, what stands out to you about this movie? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, first, just going to jump on something that Jacob said. Um, any of our patrons who are listening to this podcast right now, this month at some point, just just stroll on by our Patreon page and um, drop us a, um, a DM um, requesting us to do like a podcast or something on um, on the film Labyrinth. Because um, Jacob made a reference to Labyrinth, and that is one of my favorite films of all time. So <laughs> if anybody wants to do me a favor, just just mosey on by the Patreon um, sometime after you listen to this and say, hey, you guys should do a podcast on Labyrinth. Um, anyway, back to the question at hand. I just want to throw that out there. Um yeah, I mean, I mean, I'll be honest. When I watched this a year ago, shortly after I watched the first one, um, and I watched it again just earlier today, just a few hours um, ago uh, before we hopped on the podcast, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest. The main thing I recalled going into my second viewing of it this time was the rap scene with Vanilla Ice and that the character design of Super Shredder was super, super cool. Um, Those were the two main standouts for me as far as things I remembered from the movie. Um, Everything else to me, I mean, like, again, I don't want to, like take a crap all over <laughs> like people's favorite like stuff from their childhoods and stuff. Like I'm sure I have a lot of things I love that, you know, haven't aged uh, particularly well in quality, but um, secret of the used man was, yeah, man, it was just pretty edible um, for me other than those two things. But um, those two things, I really enjoyed. I mean, I kind of want an action figure of Super Shredder now, um, as well as an action figure of Vanilla Ice from from that concert. Um, that'd be great. But um, yeah, I'm really into character design stuff. Um, and Shredder, um, in every iteration of the Turtles I've seen, has always had a really good design. So that was a big thing for me. Yeah, it's funny you bring. I mean, the guy. What I was going to say stood out. Uh, was I mean, or one or the ninja rap, which is uh, just perfect in every single way. Uh, the thing that I was going to say it stood out is Super Shredder, and I was going to bring up the fact that it's it's what everyone says stand out about this movie. Uh, it's you know, I the the moment as a child, you know, um, particular. So once again, growing up, we you know my my generation growing up was inundated with these gigantic boss characters you know i mean like darth vader's one of them obviously but goro m bison you know mm-hmm. these these just gigantic characters that are just bigger than life they're just like i don't know how in the world you would get by this and shredder was one of the super shredder's perfect representation of that i have to mention jake do you know who plays super shredder uh, I believe it's Kevin Nash. It is Kevin Nash, yes. <laughs> Al, I don't know if you know who Kevin Nash is, but he's a wrestler uh, known as Diesel, uh, mm-hmm. sometimes as Big Sexy Kevin Nash, uh, also known sometimes as Oz. Or as the Russian from 2004's hit movie, <laughs> The Punisher. You're right, he is the Russian. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's actually the thing I knew him from. 
to be completely honest with you. There you go. But uh, yeah, he he's he plays Super Shredder. But just the you know this movie is just like ridiculous, and then it hits Super Shredder, and you're just like, oh, you know they've actually put some thought into something finally because that entire fight's really cool. I think the way they do it, uh, you know the the fact that they're the way they beat Super Shredder actually makes sense within the context of what they're trying to learn in this film, which is the how to be better ninjas. Mm-hmm. You know, they beat him by basically outsmarting him. Um, but I just, I, and you talked about, it's funny, you said I'd love an action figure Super Shredder. Well, the irony of this is, it, as someone, this might surprise you, Al, but as someone who has kept up with the action figure lines of mm-hmm. the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, sure, um, sure. they almost always loop back around to Super Shredder. Uh, NECA just put out a new one. Um, you know, there's there's like a now a $90 version of this figure uh, from... Uh, I think it's uh, Eastway Toys or something like that. The okay. those big seventy five dollar ones that you know want to buy. Yes. You know, okay. <laughs> uh, there's a there's a big version of that now. I mean, it always loops back around to the Super Shredder because it's such a iconic design. Um, just with all the spikes and everything, it's just really cool. And uh, to me, that's what stands out about this movie. I mean, it is the, you know, the one thing that I would say is memorable. You know, I agree with you. I, you know, I, if if I hadn't watched this movie, you know, uh, today uh, as well, there I there's I would struggle to remember a lot of the beats and everything. But I always remember Super Shredder, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, he he just kind of he definitely he he's definitely a standout. Um, this shouldn't be difficult. Question to ask: What does or does not hold up? Al, you want to start that one off? Uh, <laughs> I was gonna take my yeah. answer. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll start that one off. Um, uh, again, just, just hate Kino. Kino's just not, I'm excited. To, I'm excited to see TMNT three to see what other new, new male insert character is just awful. I almost um, spoil this for you, Al, but Casey comes back for TMNT three. Oh, oh, thank God for Casey Jones. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good. <laughs> so, yeah, Boy, I'm gonna spoil that for you. I, you know, I don't. Kino's not in in three. I don't. Yeah. So, Boy, that's that's gonna be a fun one. Uh, so, so, I've never seen three. Okay, three is gonna be brand new for both. Right. I don't think he, I don't think Kino's in three. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so yeah, uh, he hasn't aged well. He just comes off as very irritating. Uh, I mean, very annoying, and like. Here's the thing about, because like I know saying that like, oh, he just goes and like has shames the girls and drives away. I know that would be like prime bait for someone to just be like, oh, you can't have any, you can't have any jokes nowadays. Everybody's offended by something. But like, sir, who's hypothetically listening to this, if, if like you think that like catcalling a woman on the street and then like potty shaming her and then driving away, like, is in any way funny at all, then you don't, you don't deserve the purity of the teen, of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, like, that's just not, that's just yeah. not cool, man. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, and yeah, just like, and like, I almost hesitate to comment on this part, because again, you know, context and the time you watch it and all that stuff is really important for this kind of thing. But a lot of the over-the-top kind of silly comedy stuff that they do, a lot of the jokes and stuff, um, just 
just aren't there for a modern um, viewing of this. You know, there were just a lot of times I just kind of like sighed or rolled my eyes at like a lot of the jokes or anything like that. There's even a part where um, it's actually towards the beginning. Uh, um, it's with Kino again. Um, and Kino, um, he's about to have his ass kicked, which Lord, I would have loved to see that. Um, and then, and then the turtles show up and start to fight the robbers, and um, and and Kino's just like watching them, and he does this thing where like he wipes his eyes and he shakes his head, and like he undulates with like his tongue and stuff. And that's supposed to be just kind of a cheesy bit, like for kids to laugh at and stuff, just like good slapstick. But it's just, you know, it's things like that. Just the tone of the comedy just uh, didn't age well, which wouldn't be a big deal, but it leaned so heavily into trying to be a comedy this time around that it really, really um, stuck out as kind of a recurring soft point in the film. But, um, but yeah. Does anything hold up well? <laughs> I mean, other than Ninja Rap and Super Shredder? <laughs> Yeah. Um, I, I did think love I mean, that you were, you were about to just skip over that one, Al. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, you brought up that um, that like the choreography isn't as good in this one, and I would agree, it just isn't as good. I think a big part of that is what you were talking about earlier, where they don't use their weapons as much. I don't even think we ever see Raph's size at any point in the film, mm-hmm. but I do think that. Um, the idea of just having f- fight scenes with um, a group of ninjas and doing like the sp- spin kicks and the flips and things like that, I think just that kind of action, I think, is just pr- pretty timeless in a way. Mm. Like, I would say that as far as this one goes, the action scenes are not as well choreographed as the last. Um, film, I would still say like, if I had to pick something in the movie that like young Al would really be into, it would have been like any of the fighting scenes at all. Just because the idea of doing a bunch of acrobatic flips and kicks and fighting a bunch of ninjas and stuff, like that's just that's just always a cool idea. It's just always a cool thing. So, you know, I could see uh, those parts if I were to watch it with like with like you know, like my little brothers-in-law or um, or something like that, I could see them being into those parts. I think that holds up pretty well. Okay, Jake, same question, man. What holds up? What does not? <clears throat> well, for what holds up, I I'll stick to my earlier answer of just Splinter is fantastic in this, and Splinter will always hold up. Splinter is like you said, he's the Miyagi, he's the Yoda, he's he's just. He he is definitely a timeless character. Um, I will definitely I will definitely say that he holds up well. Um, most of the rest doesn't hold up well, if I, if we're really being honest. Um, and 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 like you said, I kind of hate to crap on this movie, and I'm 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 genuinely hoping I like the third one better, just so that on the next one we get to be a bit more positive. Um, but Kino's definitely Kino's definitely a big one. The comedy. Like, it's not even so much that it's not as good as it is just, like, even the points where you can tell, like, they're trying to do certain things, 
even more like more they don't really do like adult oriented jokes or anything like that but like none of it is really going to land as well today you know whereas whereas for some reason the when casey first shows up in the first film and one of them says who's that and the other one says wayne gretzky on steroids that will that's always funny to me you know but with this one it just i don't know just the the comedy just does not land um and I, I I don't know. It's just the most of the movie just does not hold up nearly as well as the first one does, in my opinion. There's just I don't know. I agree. I think the first movie just has so many you know moments now that are just iconic. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, pizza guy's got you know five minutes. You know, and it's like <laughs> yeah, just a fellow chucker. Hey, eh? you know, just uh, so many just iconic moments. You know, and uh, you know, and I, this one just doesn't really have it. Um, I'll say that you know I've always I've already said the puppeteering is great, Splinter's great, Superstar is great, uh, everything about Ninja Rap is perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, we haven't mentioned them, and man, I hate Taka and Razor. I really do. do and you I really? just I can't stand them, and I think they are really really bad for this movie in a lot of ways. And here's the, the interesting. So one thing I don't like, I don't like about. Um, particularly movies that do this in a in a children's setting, is I don't like movies that if you look at it the wrong way will make the good guys into bullies. And Taka and Razor, as we've already mentioned, are little babies. That's what they are. They're literally little babies that have been given a bunch of steroids, and then the turtles go and fight them. And it's just really off-putting to me uh they're comedy characters and so they don't even carry any type of weight like no one even as a six seven year old watching this movie there was never a point where i was like man better watch out for the (laughs) taka and razor you know the two the two big you know animals that are calling shredder mommy you know better watch out for them and so it's it really is weird to me because the choice the decision to do go bebop and rock steady is so much better because, and now we're going to get in the Turtles lore, but Bebop and Rocksteady, you know, are, one of them is a, is a straight-up punk rock thug. The other one is a former mercenary, and they get turned into a giant rhino and a giant boar. So you have, you know, they're already capable, and also, more importantly, they're already horrible. Whereas mm. instead, we have a snapping turtle that has been pulled out of its environment, you know, and a wolf. wolf that's been pulled out of its environment, both infants, and now are told, okay, now you're great warriors, go and fight the turtles who have spent their entire life being ninjas. Like, it's just very off-putting to me, and I don't understand the decision here. There there are two things I want to add to that just real quick, okay? Because... For, I know I know you wouldn't get your favorite line if they didn't have it, okay? No, 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 that, that, that's not a part of it, although I do love that. Um... Um, and that's one part where for some, where the comedy does land, <laughs> um, but uh, but one is I actually I I, I I thought Eastman and Laird said they did not want Bebop and Rocksteady. They didn't. I think they're wrong. Um, they did yeah. say that, and they're wrong. I, you cannot tell me that if if you ask them right now. So you didn't get Bebop and Rocksteady, but you got Baby Wolf and Baby Snapping Turtle. You know who called Shredder mommy? You know was that a good choice for you? It, it it you hopefully they would say no it was not but the other thing is 
And if I remember correctly, this doesn't actually add to the movie. Like, I think it's supposed to, but they do not, like, talk about it again. Um, because they have this kind of weird subplot where the chief of the police hates April and <laughs> does not want to work with her at all. Um, so there's this scene where the Shredder is like, this is how we'll bring the turtles out. And so he sends Taka and Rezar to, like destroy the city and and as they say have fun and what they do is they start taking down telephone poles and they like destroy a car like a, a car or something and it's the most delightful scene in the entire movie it is a great scene <laughs> it's like but then there's this really weird moment where they cut to this elderly couple about to get into a cab and the older man says, those two monsters are destroying those telephone poles. And he, then he goes, what are we going to do if they come over here, Gloria? And Gloria has apparently seen some stuff. And she just looks at them and just goes, tell them to get their own cab. And then gets into the cab. Just like, it's so weird. But then, But what's even funnier is, once again, that goes nowhere. Because like then you have April... Because you have April trying to figure out what's going on, talking to the chief, and then that's when uh, that scene goes nowhere because she doesn't tell the turtles what happened. They don't know that this happened, and that's when you get this. I guess you're supposed to be shocked and have this kind of twist scene for April where her cameraman is actually a member of the foot, but once again, this does not work anywhere near as well as the Danny subplot does in the first movie. Because then the cameraman just disappears, presumably, because, like, it cuts away, so presumably he, he killed him. Like, yeah. he just, he just stabbed him, you know? Just, that's that's <laughs> my headcanon is April's like, Freddy lied to me, and, and then just, like, snapped his neck or something. Like, that's, that's where I go in that, you know? Well, even the whole, like, even the whole have-fun scene, you know, is set up as, like, this joyful romp between yeah. two babies. Yeah. You know? Like it's it it has it has all of the terror that the Stitch scene does in Lilo and Stitch where he creates San Francisco and <laughs> destroys it. It has all the terror. The, like it, it it just doesn't work. Um, yeah. um, and, um and Jacob, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, that's something I actually forgot to talk about. Is that April O'Neil in this um, in Secret of the Ooze has so many non-scenes yeah. in this film. Like, almost every scene she's in, she could either not be there, or the scene could just not happen. And my favorite yeah. example and my favorite example of one of these is when she's at work, right? She's at the news station. And the news manager is just up her ass. And you're just like, oh my god, what did she do? Like, is... Are her responsibilities at home caring for the turtles interfering with her job? And then you watch it, and the and the manager's so complaint is that April O'Neil, you're always so busy. And it's just yeah. like she's your she's your employee. Yeah. Why why are you mad about her being so busy? And then and then it ends with Hey April, you have a call. Some guy who says who says he's Donnie, and so he, she goes to her office to take the call. And her manager, and her manager is just like, 
she doesn't have time for calls from her contacts. Then he turns and she's already in her office and he's just like, ah, well, apparently I'm blah, 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 blah. But it's just like, she's a reporter. <laughs> what, do you, what do you want her to be doing at this job? <laughs> like that, and that scene has no bearing on anything because yeah. all that happens is Donatello talks to her and says, hey, haven't seen Raph in a while. Have you seen him? No, I haven't. Okay, I'm going to hand the phone to Mikey real quick. He's going to do this weird flirty thing with you. Okay, well, that's the end of that scene. <laughs> just, wait a minute. Is April not going to do anything in this movie? You know, what, what's interesting is 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 I like uh, I like Paige Turco quite a bit, who replaces Judith Hogue. And, uh, I, yeah, I think Judith Hogue was fine. I, I do like Paige Turco's performance. I think she's perfectly fine in this role. Um, but in the first movie, so much of the movie hinges on what April brings to the table as both the contact point, as the person who starts uncovering what the foot is. And then I, I agree. I don't, April doesn't do anything in this movie. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's really, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to even talk about the performance because she's just written to be such a non, excuse me, a non entity. Um, so I, I, um, I agree with you on that. I think, uh, that does not hold up well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't hold up. I will, but I will, here's a character who does hold up well. Okay. And we've already kind of mentioned him, but I do, I love Professor Perry and I think David Warner should be in more things. This is my second favorite David Warner performance. Um, Jake, what do you think my first David Warner performance is? I honestly can't think right now. Ra's al Ghul in uh, Batman the Animated Series. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. I forgot. Old David Warner bringing, bringing the heat in, in, that, in that role. Um, but, uh, I David it's pronounced Ra's al Ghul, by the way. Whatever. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> I, am, I am so upset that I did not get to ask Denny O'Neill that uh, personally. But anyway. Rest in uh, peace. Yeah, rest in peace, seriously. Um, but um, what I like about his character, and there's not a whole lot of characters like this, Professor Perry just kind of bounces around in this thing. Like, he doesn't really, like... His whole thing is he wants to get rid of the ooze. And then, like, he does, he's not really morally opposed to Shredder, what Shredder's doing. He's just like, this is a bad idea and stupid. Like, this is a dumb idea. And then when he's over with the turtles, it's not like he's even on their side. He's just kind of... Just kind of, you know, flying around. And there's not a whole lot of good characters like that. And he, he pulls it off perfectly. He's just, just kind of this amoral science dude. You know, who's just really fascinated. Like, all this stuff is happening. It's really, really crazy, you know? And, I, you know, and that's what I'm here for. And uh, so I do like his performance. Um, but, yeah, I I can't say enough bad things about Taka and Razor, man. I just, I can't. They're just, <laughs> they're just the worst, you know? And, uh, and I will say this. There's very, and here's the thing. Very rarely do you see people requesting those action figures. Uh, you don't, you true. don't see that very often. Uh, so, yeah. All right, overall grade for this movie, okay? Uh, we'll go from, like, an, uh, how did we do it the first time? Did we do a B, C kind of thing, or did we do, like, I'll tell you, we're, we're going to grade it, uh, like, a, uh, a yeah, no, like an A, B, C kind of thing. Okay. Okay, we're going to do it. I, I don't know if that's how we did it the first time, <clears> that's how we're going to do it going forward. Okay. So, uh, Jake, overall grade for this movie. Um. And Why? Man, I feel I feel like I'm being harsh. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go D, um, just because it it is not a complete failure. It does do a few things right. Um, 
but the thing is is that when I really started to think about it as a film um, and if we're doing like an actual like grading system um, the bad outweighs the good in this film uh, as opposed to the first one which actually it's only flaws really Casey Jones in my opinion um, but uh, you know with this one I just I gotta go with the D so it's you know it's 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 it has its fun moments, but it's by n- it's nowhere near as good as the first one. So yeah, I'm, I'm gonna stick with that. Um, this story should have been a lot better. There's a there's a we we've already talked about the the Nickelodeon uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that ran uh, in the in the early teens uh, of the. <laughs> I want to say I think it's 2012 to I want to say like 20. 15 i think okay. 2016 i think probably about right and it, it was a it was just really good if you haven't seen it uh, definitely watch it and there's a there's a seat there's a episode in the first season where uh at there's a certain point where the turtles kind of get stuck uh, in the city and they have to it's called the episode's called the gauntlet because they literally have to go through uh, everybody that they faced up to that point they take down uh you know they, they take down the uh the henchmen that have been sent after them. They take down the foot soldiers. They take down the crane at that point. Dog and, pound? You know, they take down dog pound. Played beautifully by Cam- Clancy Brown. Okay. Thank you. Fine. <laughs> they take down dog pound. Uh, you know, they, they, they just, they, they take down everybody. Okay. And uh, it's, it's, they're just, and you know, by the end of it, they're just, they're really just really hype about themselves, you know, and they're just, they're like, man, like we're, and you get, and they get this progression, like, okay, they're coming to their own, that kind of thing. And then Shredder shows up for the first time and just wrecks them and just like totally wipes them out. And they have to go back and, you know, they have to admit to Splinter, you know, we are not where we need to be. So that's the storyline. I think this movie should have taken. Um, because there isn't a moment in the, even in the first movie, they get, they get wrecked by Shredder. You know, if uh, Splinter Dad doesn't show up, you know, they're, they're getting destroyed. And so this movie should have taken more of that approach of the growth of, you know, what does it mean to be a Ninja Turtle, you know, and what does it mean to be this, you know, this, this vigilante force and, and, you know, and fighting bad guys and stuff like that. And this movie just is not concerned with that. It's just, it's just really, you know, they're trying to throw everything against the wall, and in my opinion, very little of it sticking. Um, so I'm not as harsh as Jake. I'm going to give it a C. Uh, but my C is basically most based off of, like, disappointment on what it could have been. Um, I think I think there are things that, I mean, I can't I can't ever give anything that the, the Henson Company does less than a C. Because it's just, it's always mm, fantastic yeah. to look at. And, uh, and, of course, you know... Ninja rap. I mean, it's a ninja rap. It's ninja rap. I mean, it, I don't. I got you know. It's it, it's worth it's worth the view just for ninja rap. I don't know what else to say. Uh, so uh, for me, it's a C, uh, but it's kind of disappointing. It, it's a disappointing movie. Uh, it's a disappointing follow up. Uh, they had such a runaway set success with the first one, um, and this one just doesn't hit near uh, the heights of the first one. Al, I'll give you the uh, last word. Overall grade. Um, yeah, man, I'll, I will give this one, I'll give this one a D. Um, you know, I didn't hate everything about it. Um, how I do 
these kinds of grades with um, the movies I watch is I rarely ever give anything an F because um, to me an F is I actively regret having watched this and I did not uh, with this one. You know, there were some there were some parts that got uh, some chuckles out of me. You know, as a as a blossoming fan of the TMNT franchise, you know, I'm glad I watched it because it's an important part of its history and things like that. Um, so I give about a D. I do want to ask you guys as kind of another way to kind of operationalize um, our feelings towards um, the secret of the ooze is um, I want to ask each of y'all, like, do you think having watched it just now or very recently at least, uh, do y'all think you will ever like sit down and watch this again? And like, I don't mean like having it on like in the background as you're doing other stuff or whatever. Um, I mean like being very intentional and being like, I'm going to sit down and watch Secret of the Ooze today. Jake? Um, if I'm being 100% honest, probably not. Um, unless like someone was like, Hey, I've never seen all of these. We could watch them. And then I do that kind of thing. But that's strictly because like, if I'm being honest, there's not a whole lot of films outside of like the, the, the Marvel ones, the dark Knight trilogy, star Wars, stuff like that. That's kind of the ones that I kind of rewatch fairly often. Um, if we're talking about like genre films, um, because for me, it's, I'm typically watching new stuff just because I, I have kind of limited time, especially with my new job and everything. Um, that to sit down and watch a movie, you know, it actually, it, it, it's, it's part of my day. And of course that would take up some time. Um, so for me, I probably wouldn't unless it was just like a nostalgia thing where I was like, ah, I haven't, I haven't watched the, the original turtles films in a while, you know? So, um, it, it'd be a rarity, I, I would say. But I mean, I, I, if it was on, I wouldn't be like, "Oh no, turn it off," you know, or anything like that. It's not, it's not, um, not the way I feel about certain other films, which we'll be talking about more next month. Um, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> um, it's probably not, honestly, Al. And I'm a huge, I'm a huge turtle fan, but it's not. It's such a it just, other than just straight up nostalgia, you know, it, it does not hold up. It just doesn't. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's things about it. I mean, yeah, we're you know, ninja rap. I will always hold up, but it holds up as a like a fragment of a time. Um, the first movie, I bet I've seen close to a hundred times. And I still love it. Uh, mm. This one, not so much. Uh, it's just, it's just not, it's just not as good. And so, no, I, I, I don't, I mean, the only way I'd watch is if once again, like Jake said, you know, or if I, if someone that I grew up with, you know, cause like, I, I can't stress this enough. I, I don't know anybody didn't see this movie in theaters. Like it, it was, it was one of those things just like everybody had to go see. Uh, and if you didn't see it in theaters, then you went and rented it from a uh, movie warehouse or something. Uh, so mm-hmm. it, it was one of those things that everybody uh, watched but I, I just I just don't think I can I can I, I can I'll watch it again. Renting movies at movie warehouse. What's that? Yeah, shut up. <laughs> yeah, I miss that. Anyway. 
I mean, do you think you'll watch it again? Um, no, not by myself, at least. No, I think <laughs> I, I think if a situation would arise where I would like sit down and like actively uh, watch um, the secret of the ooze again, it'd be something along the lines of like uh, if like a few years down the road, um, like my nephew or something is just like I want to watch. All the TMNT stuff and stuff. I mean, I'd I'd s- sit down and watch it with him and stuff, and kind of see gauge his reaction as a young child, um, his reaction to the comedy and action of the time. But say, um, maybe, maybe we're just old and pessimistic. Yeah, that's, that's a that's a <laughs> real just, that's possibility. <laughs> Could just be. We're just we're just too old to understand the humor <laughs> of fat shaming a teenage girl. <laughs> yeah, we're just too old to understand that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I do. I don't really want to end on that note, but I guess we will. Uh, this, you know, this was a, this almost seemed to be a 180 of how we felt about the first movie. Um, but I do think this movie's kind of a 180 from the first movie. Uh, so having seen the third and me and Al having not seen the third, so the, will third, the third one turn okay, around. So the thirds, I remember it being fun. I have not seen the third movie and at least 10 to 15 years. Okay. Okay. Um, I could probably more than that. Cause I was young so i haven't it but it, it the third movie is interesting because it didn't it didn't have as wide a release as one and two so uh we'll discuss all that later on i will straight up warn you okay you're about to hit some cognitive dissonance with the third movie because it's turtles in time where the teenage mutant ninja turtles emphasis on the word ninja go to japan and become samurais so mm. right off the bat Hmm. You're you're dealing with uh, with something that's a little off, uh, okay. so I'm just going to straight up warn you about that. Uh, but that will be the next uh, one we'll do. We'll probably try. I'm here's the thing. Probably somewhere on that first podcast, I'm probably said something similar to what I'm about to say, where I <laughs> said we'll probably try to get the next one out in the, in the week or so. Uh, I did. I just did the Raphael voice. Did you know that? A yeah, week yeah. or so. A week or so. A week or so. Okay. <laughs> They could sickle that uh, anyway, uh, but we'll try to get that out uh, pretty soon. Uh, the third one, um, and if you're watching with us, we'll do the third one. After that, we've got the TMNT movie, which was um, the 2007 animated yeah. movie uh, that I've actually really good things about. Oh, uh, have you never seen it? I've never seen it. No. Oh, okay, sweet. So, so that's the one I've seen that you haven't seen. Okay, okay all right. And then after that is the Whew. the abominations. Oh yeah. So we'll, we're going to try and get these done. Hopefully within the uh, all of them within the next month. Uh, so definitely stay stay here with us. Uh, Al has already mentioned uh, the Patreon account. Uh, he he wants you to uh, ask him to um, discuss labyrinth. To correct? discuss labyrinth. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, and then I will, I have no problem discussing Labyrinth. I will just, but every time someone says something, I'll probably just say, you remind me of the babe just to start that entire thing. Uh, <laughs> and so of course, we just, we'll have to do it every time. The whole thing. Just watch babe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The power of voodoo. Who do? Who do? You do. So, you know, we have to, you have to do it every time. Uh, so what I'm saying is like, if that sounds like a fun time for you, Definitely go and do what Al said. But if that sounds like the most annoying thing that could possibly happen, just know that that's a definite of what the podcast will sound like. This is um, the longest podcast we've ever done. It's three hours. It's three hours. And two hours it. of it is just them redoing that Doing song. the same bit over and over again. <laughs> um, but absolutely, yeah. Definitely go to the Patreon. 
uh, you know, we're not, I mean, like I said, we're not even really asking for money. So if you want to go to Facebook, Twitter, Twitter, whatever, yeah. uh, get in touch with us. Let us know what you want to hear us discuss. Like I said, we're definitely going to be finishing up the Turtles pretty soon. We've got some interesting stuff we're working on. Uh, me and Raven are uh, trying to work on uh, some stuff with the... Uh, uh, with romantic comedies, I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. uh, there is, uh, I don't know, are we are we doing a Snyder Cut podcast? I mean, I I feel like we kind of have to do something. Okay, so there's something probably coming with that. There, what I'm saying is, there's a lot of stuff coming up. Uh, we'll probably do one uh, for them to WandaVision, right? Oh, for Once sure. again, I feel like for sure. Yeah, we kind of have to. So, uh, WandaVision's been great, so we'll definitely do something for the end of that. Mm -hmm. uh, so, definitely just, you know, uh, keep in touch with us. You know, let us know what you want to uh, see more of or hear more of, or if you've got ideas for articles or stuff that we want us to discuss. Let us know. Hit us up on Patreon, Twitter, Facebook. We're on Instagram, too. Mm -hmm. uh, so, just search Phantom Correspondence and all that, and uh, you'll find us. And uh, once again, as I sign off here, just want to remind you, fandom is for everyone. That's kind of our our goal here, is to be a place where all fandoms can reside. And uh, so uh, that's kind of our motto. And uh, with that, I will say good night.